Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Hi, this is Steve Bremner, host of Fire on Your Head, and I give two thumbs up for Brian Ensminger and the Engaging Mission Show. In fact, if I had more thumbs, I would give them too. Welcome to the Engaging Mission Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show. In this week's episode, we're talking with a recent graduate from a missionary training school. And while we were talking, we covered things like how practicing hospitality played into his spiritual formation, about how God's presence is a key part of his life and ministry, and about the power of focusing deeply on a few things rather than being spread thin. Now, before we get into the interview, I want to key in just a little bit on that whole hospitality thing, because if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that we just finished up our series on involving children in ministry, and this is one more way that we could involve children, this whole hospitality thing. It's a a way to pour into their lives deeply. It's also a way to love our neighbors and to just get out and share the gospel. So with that, we're going to get into this week's episode. All right, let's get started. Today, I have... Have Reed Mitchell with me. Now, he's in his early 20s, works with the special needs population, actually with a nonprofit that helps adults with special needs become more independent. But he's also been on several short-term missions experiences outside the country, and he's the recent graduate of a missionary training school in, in Smyrna, Tennessee, that's just outside of Nashville. And that's part of why we're talking today. We we actually met at that graduation that the, uh, from his yeah. school and wanted to get him on the show to kind of talk about that experience, talk about what God's doing in his life, and also just share a little bit about the school. So, Reed, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Brian. Oh, it, it is truly my pleasure. I'm I'm astounded that you're willing to do this after meeting me that one time, so I really <laughs> appreciate that. So, you know, I've summed up multiple years of stuff in like 45 seconds. We've talked about what you do for a living, about working with a nonprofit, about going on short-term trips, things like that, but there's not a lot of flesh in that. So would you mind maybe sharing a little bit more about yourself, maybe about your family, uh, what you have going on? Yeah, absolutely. I'll start off with my family. I was married last year on july 11th so i'm coming up on my one year anniversary exciting Uh, i have um, three brothers and a sister Uh, my parents adopted two boys from ethiopia uh three or four years ago so that's been exciting to to just go through that process with them but i just try to spend a lot of my time with my neighbors uh Investing in them, hanging out with them, and uh, just trying to 
serve the body of Christ in any way I can and just in fellowship. I have a small group on Wednesday nights that I meet up with. That's been pretty important uh, part of my life just recently. So, yeah, other than that, I'm just working with an organization that's called Possibility Place. I don't know if you mentioned that or not. No, but, I didn't know the name of the place. Yeah, Possibility Place. So, yeah, just trying to keep it simple within those few few things there. Yeah, that's good stuff. Now, you mentioned that your parents recently adopted a couple of kids from Ethiopia. That's something that we often see when people have been involved in some kind of missions trip or something like that, maybe across the years. Has has this kind of thing been part of your life for for a long time? I guess just like the influence of my... Yeah, yeah, the influence of your parents, yeah. I guess not so much as cross-culture. I think I don't know if my parents even went on any mission trips or anything like that until the three of our, us kids were a little older going on trips with with our church. I don't even know if there were many opportunities to do that for them. Okay. But growing up at, at our church, they like really provided a lot of opportunities to be exposed to that, to go do those kind of things. So I don't know if it started kind of at the same same time. I guess the main thing that I received from my parents was more of a hospitality because we always grew up having people in our home, them opening up our, their home to guests, to people who needed to stay, stay with our family because they didn't have a house for a while or even if it was one of my friends or my brother's friends who they were in town, they needed a place to stay and we'd house them for few months or a couple of weeks or yeah the the hospitality is probably the biggest thing that they they passed on to me so that's that's good you know that's one of the the gifts that we don't often hear a lot about but as i read scripture that was a requirement for church leadership is you had to yeah. be hospitable yeah. so that's that's really cool and and i think you've also been involved with the same local body for over 20 years now is that what i remember right yeah from the womb <laughs> From the womb. Yeah, that's that's good stuff as well. As you think about your life and your ministry, are there maybe any meaningful quotes or many, any scriptures that come to mind that are kind of foundational in what you do? I would have to say the scripture that has stuck with me the most is from Exodus 33, verse 15 and 16. And I'll just read it for you. Uh, it says, this is Moses, and he's speaking to God on behalf of the Israelites. And he says, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? This verse has, I guess, been one of my one of my favorites for a while now. And I guess just in the past past year, it's really really sunk in and and having had some greater meaning uh, just because it's so easy within our culture to do lots of things and fill our time with lots of things. And for me, it was even trying to fill my time with good things. Mm -hmm. But I was starting to realize through that passage that can do lots of good things, but they have no value. And the ultimate purpose of God's plan. There's lots of people on earth who do good things that don't honor God. Um, and so that, that, 
that kind of just started sinking in with me a, a lot more of I'd, I would rather do one thing that God was up to and I just jumped on board with him and it was his will than do a thousand good things that Reed came up with that weren't a part of his plan at all. And that, that concept just really started hitting me a lot and it made me reevaluate what I had going on in my life, what I spent my time doing. Cause even in, in ministry, you can run yourself thin yeah. doing lots of good things, but they might not be what God's will actually is. Mm-hmm. It could just be good things that you're coming up with instead of maybe doing a couple things that you know that God desires or he wills for you to do. And you're just hopping on board a way that we put in the mission training class that I was uh, taking. I don't remember if it was our teacher or a video we were watching, but regardless, he said, don't make your own plans and then pray and ask God, will you please be with me? You, it's much better to know what God is doing and then ask to join him because then you don't have any worry if he's with you or not, because it's something he's doing. So that all that mixed together just kind of was a big like, man, this is kind of changing my life, changing who I am, what I do, simplifying my life a lot instead of it being so chaotic and stressed about, I got to do this, 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 this. And it's like, it allowed me to just simplify my life and, and maybe only hang out with my neighbors instead of trying to invest in people all over Nashville and Murfreesboro and Smyrna. It's like, those are good things to go and hang out with all those people, try to invest in everyone in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Maybe God placed me right here in my neighborhood, and maybe I simply just need to be right here for now, not try to overload my schedule. And so that's that verse there is, you know, I don't want to go do something if God's not God, He's not with me in something. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting that you mentioned the thing about hanging out with your neighbors because one of the things that's been going out going through my mind since you started talking about this passage is also the okay, you talked about doing this about maybe doing a few powerful things rather than a whole bunch of stuff and I'm thinking maybe there were also some things that you had to step away from in order to put this into place. Were there a lot of different things in your life that you had to go, okay, that might be a good thing and maybe even a good thing for later, but for right now, that's got to go on the back burner. Yeah. One of the, I mean, some, some of the things were just where I was serving. I served at our church as a room at the end Mm -hmm. and they, uh, I served there in high school and I mean, high school, I had lots of time I had time to exhaust myself <laughs> and serve relentlessly because I didn't have, you know, I, I, I still had time to invest in my relationship with God, invest in lots of other people, go serve. But once I got a job, <laughs> once I got married, I was engaged at that time, I think, or dating or engaged, but I was starting to work more. I just noticed that even though going to room at the inn was a good thing and serving the, the men who we let stay at our church building, 
I was realizing, okay, I'm, I'm coming home. I'm coming here even from work because I worked on Friday evenings and I would go Friday night to serve and I wasn't joyfully serving. I was just kind of, Hmm. I was there. I was there going through motions and I would go home just worn out and I just didn't have any peace about it at all. And I was like, I, I know this is a good thing, but they have plenty of people here. They have plenty of people serving. I just need to let them do it. Let them take over. Mm-hmm. They had plenty of help. It's not like I was an essential piece. I mean, they loved having me there, but I wasn't essential for the function of that ministry. Right. So it's like, I, I just need to let it go. There's other gifted people who are going to love these men all the same. I'm doing a terrible job of it because I'm just tired and exhausted. So I had to, that's just one example of, of something I had to give up because it was, I wasn't, as the Bible was saying, joyfully obey or joyfully serve others. Yeah. It wasn't happening. So. Now, I also remember from the, the conversation or the, the emails that we sent back and forth before we got started that you wanted to make sure that Jesus stayed at the center of this. And as you're sharing that, I'm thinking, you know, I bet that making this transition has also changed your relationship with Christ. Can you share maybe a little bit about how focusing on a few key things, making sure that you're finding where God's involved rather than asking God to involve himself where you are, has, has changed your relationship with God? Yeah, and that, that's still a work in, uh, a work in oh, progress yeah. for me. Because, I mean, that's still, it's just a constant battle I face every day of filling my schedule versus taking time to just meditate in the Word. And just like Psalm 119 is coming to my mind of the repetition of how great is the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And, man, that's, that's just a really, a really tough struggle for me. Is because I, I came from that. I mean, I was at every service opportunity our church had, anything, I was there. And so I'm still trying to get to a point to where I'm like, okay, I need to not do this. Let me focus in. Let me just rest. Let me just spend time with God, just me. And I have seen a few results because I was just at a time of no peace. Of, a few months ago, I just had no peace at all. So I started fasting, just spending that time, you know, not trying to figure out what it is that's going on that's not not quite right. Mm-hmm. You know, what things do I need to focus on? And so I started fasting a little bit, and and from that, I kind of got God just throughout the days gave me some ideas of needing a small group and needing have other guys invest in my life to make sure I'm staying on track and things like that. So that, that was one result. And I, I finally started a, a small group with some guys and it's been very, very helpful, very fruitful. Um, and I kind of saw that with some encouragement from my wife, um, saw that I needed to be having someone else pour into me. And hmm. those were just some results of taking a step back and just trying to quiet myself ask God what I need to be doing right now. So I, I think right now I'm at a point where I need to go back and do that, do that again, just because, I mean, these past few weeks have been going, 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 and it's very easy to, to not just 
stop. Um, I, I've heard this a lot. I don't know if any of our listeners have, have heard this, but you know, you have your vertical relationship with God that you must focus on mm-hmm. or else the, the horizontal relationship with people on the, on this earth are just going to be terrible. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just going to be worthless, meaningless. Uh, you're not going to love them. You know, kind of like why I had to give up serving at room at the end. Cause I hadn't, I didn't have any time to find rest in, in God. So I didn't love the people I was serving. Hmm. Uh, I, I didn't receive that love from God, that heavenly father, that connection there. So I, I had nothing to give anyone else. And, and so that's just with my past month, I just need to, to get back to that, to receiving so that I can give, you know, being, being blessed to be a blessing. So well, that's, that's good. And you're totally hitting some of the places where I continue to try and find that balance as well with a lot going on. It can be really, really difficult to do that. And I'm I'm actually really happy to hear that you've gotten involved with a group of guys to pour into your life and that God's working that way. I think that's really powerful. With that, though, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit. Hey, this is Jim from Doing Ministry Well. If you're enjoying the Engaging Missions podcast like I do, we'd be honored if you check out our show, too, at doingministrywell.com. That was Jim Baker of Doing Ministry Well. If you haven't already, I would recommend that you go ahead and check out his podcast at doingministrywell.com. And then also, I would recommend that you check out the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment podcast. That's by Scott McClelland. He's been on the show before. He leads short-term trips around the world that are really, really valuable, but he also provides leadership training. This could be for group leaders or just people that want to learn and grow in their leadership. And he's just started out a new series on snare that could in, or things that could ensnare young leaders. I think it's going to be really valuable. Here's a little clip from that. In recent months, I was reflecting with a with a friend of mine who uh, you know has had some experience in leadership. Obviously, from a personal standpoint, also training others to lead. And one thing we began to recognize as a trend or as something that was ongoingly visible, in especially in the missions context, and I'll say the missions context as it relates to people from the United States going outside to other cultures, we began to recognize three traits of things that were recurring, or so it seemed, in some of these young missionaries or young short-termers that was disturbing to us. And the wording came together as these three things. First of all, self-important. Secondly, culturally ignorant. And number three, highly motivated. So if you want to hear the rest of that, make sure that you visit fxmissions.com to subscribe to that podcast, and you'll have it delivered right to your podcast listener every single week. I think it's going to be really good, so check that out as well, fxmissions.com. And with that, we're going to get right back into this week's episode. All right, we're back with Reed Mitchell, and we've been talking about him and some of the things that God's done in his life. Before we head into section, hearing a little bit more about the ministry, though, I want to hear about a time in Reed's life when God has revealed something to him, maybe something that changed his direction. So, Reed, I know that you have something that you wanted to share here, so I'll, I'll just open up the floor. Take us where you want. All right. So, when I was in high school, on Wednesday night, I was at our Wednesday night student service. And our pastor, he, and he said something. He said, with whatever you're doing, are you 
either or we were talking about the relationships we have with people and being intentional. Mm-hmm. And he said, with the people in your life, are you sharing the gospel with them? Or are you working on a relationship to where you're getting to the point of sharing the gospel with them? And so I sat and I, I thought about that for a little bit, meditated on it right then and there. And I thought about some people I hung out with on uh, in my neighborhood very often. Uh, my neighbor and I would play volleyball in either his front yard or my my backyard. And we'd have people over all the time. And so I was just thinking about those relationships with those people and realized we were just playing volleyball. And that was the end of it. And there wasn't any other than personal pleasure because I like doing athletic things. So, so that's all I was gaining. That's all there was. And so as he, as he mentioned this on Wednesday night, kind of got real convicted about it. So I don't remember if it was that same night or sometime that week, but I got together with my neighbor and I said, Hey, this is what my pastor said. We need to do something with this volleyball. And we need to find a way to share the gospel with these people or make these relationships more intentional. So uh, there's a lot of in between getting up to that point. But we ended up having moving to my parents' backyard. It's you know, three fourths of an acre. I remember one night we had 72 people there in my parents' backyard just playing volleyball hanging out and then we would uh the way we kind of set it up periodically it was every tuesday night come play volleyball we had waters for them and after that we'd invite them to just sit down and we would talk whenever it was a smaller group when we first started we would just kind of sit in a circle and and talk and and just kind of share the gospel pray for one another uh, try to answer any questions, things like that. But then it got to where we had 72 people in my backyard and <laughs> we'd invite people to other people to come speak and just share with a big group. And, um, oh no, I just think that was a, a wonderful example, which I, I, I want to continue to try to do with all my relationships, uh, of, of just taking all every relationship that you're in with people and, and asking yourself that, am I sharing the gospel with them? Am I intending to share the gospel with them with this relationship? You know, whether it, I mean, that's the same application for people who go work out in the gym. Are you just going to work out just to stay healthy? Or are you going to use that as an opportunity to invest in the people that you see every time you go work out or, you know, do you love to go to the library and read? Do you find a book club to join or invest in those relationships or whatever it is, just asking yourself those questions and then taking that and using that as an opportunity. I don't know. I just think that was a just a, a wonderful time of revelation of finding finding that opportunity. So 
Yeah, and that's pretty impressive if you think about it, because that one, it would almost seem like a throwaway phrase, you know, just are you investing in people or are you moving toward sharing the gospel with them has really, I think, formed a huge season of your life in terms of how you've walked it out. And the the other thing about that that really impresses me is that you you heard the word from God and then you actually did something about it. I've been thinking a lot today about James one twenty two. Don't just be hearers of the word, but also be doers. That's uh-huh. that's a good that's a good thing. And frankly, I've got that song going. There's a song that's going through my head right now. I just can't get it out of there. So I think maybe it was apropos that I was thinking about that scripture today as you're sharing that. As we move into the missionary training school, one of the things I'm wondering is what prompted you as a person who's employed full-time, has been involved in some short-term missions exposure type things, but what prompted you to go, okay, it's time for me to go to a missionary training school? Yeah, okay, so just keep going back to high school. (laughs) I Um, I guess God was working in me a lot in high school. I'm just now realizing it, but (laughs) it's kind of where things started brewing up. But I, my pastor's wife, she works with individuals with special needs and we hosted one weekend or one Saturday a month, we hosted a service for only families who had children or brothers or whoever in their family with special needs. It's a adapted service they could do and enjoy and not have to worry about their children or anything. And so she's asking me to come volunteer, and that's whenever I was up for anything, <laughs> always volunteering whenever I could. So I said, yeah, and, and from that point, uh, I just got more involved. I met some of the families. I was involved with more organizations that those families were involved in. And so I was, kinda, I was, I was doing that, and then I was going on mission trips uh, a week-long trips, whether it's international or local or, and so by my end of my freshman year of high school, we were at an event at, uh, or freshman year of college, sorry, we were at an event and I was just running these things through my head. I was like, okay, I'm involved with special needs. God's given me that gift. I'm involved with international missions, those kind of things. And God's given me that those opportunities, so gifts and opportunities. And so the end of that, that summer, after my freshman year of college, I was doing a six weeks internship in Brazil. And so I had in my mind that I'm going to go to Brazil. I'm going to find a huge need for individuals with special needs. And then I'm going to move to Brazil and that's where I'll be. <laughs> Uh, but as I got to Brazil, they serve uh, our partners there that our church partners with. They serve the uh, people in the favelas, and which is like slum communities on a hill. Mm. And as I observed those six weeks and I learned and I was discipled and trained, because that was also a mission training school. We have some mission training schools that we, we do mm. internationally. That one was more not so much teaching as much as just out actively doing. And as I, as I saw them serve those people, it was like every aspect of their life was about serving people or serving that specific community, that specific group that God had placed on their heart, whether it was going into different favelas throughout the week 
or bringing people from the favelas, whether it's children or <clears throat> having a church service on their property, people coming, or even whenever we didn't interact with anybody from the favela, it was a Monday and we were cleaning the property so that people could come the next day mm. and just maintaining. And so they had a garden they were starting so that they could grow f- food to give to the people in the favelas. And they started housing so that they could bring people from the favelas to live with them um, and take care of them if they needed to. And so by the time I got back home, I was thinking, all right, God's given me this ministry. I've given my life to work with people with special needs. And so I kind of looked at my life and I volunteered twice a month <laughs> working with people with special needs. And then I get back from Brazil and I see that it is every aspect of their life serving those people in the favelas. So I came under this just huge conviction of I'm not equipped to, <laughs> I'm, I'm nowhere near my life being dedicated to serving these people. This is just like a, volunteering twice a month is not your life dedicated to that certain ministry. And so that was the most helpful thing I could have learned and all of my time being in Brazil was that I am, I'm not equipped to go and do that as a ministry because I haven't done it enough here. I've just done it, maybe volunteered in an event twice a month. I didn't. And from that point on, I started getting friends with uh, making friends with special needs. I started looking for jobs in those areas. I started doing all I could in that. But that brought me to a point where Okay, maybe I'll go to school for it then. And so I went to, uh, I transferred schools and I went to uh, MTSU to try to find a job in that, but didn't really work out just with the, what they had to offer. It didn't really fit with special needs. It's a lot more hands-on learning than you need as far as book smarts. So at the same time, just in God's amazing timing, our church offered this mission training school locally um, because it it had only been globally offered. I don't know how it worked out, but you could only go to our mission training school if you were in Thailand or Brazil. And so finally they took the resources and had one of our missionaries ended up coming to teach from Thailand and he taught it in Thailand and he came to teach it in Smyrna eventually, but so I, so I finally see in our church foyer on um, one Sunday a little booth, and it has the mission training school there that's coming to Smyrna, and so I decided at that point, uh, after some prayer, I'm going to just try to find a job and go for it hands-on with the special needs ministry um, and just learn that way, learn by doing, mm-hmm. not by classroom. And then I will pursue the missions part in the classroom because I've been on all these trips, so I want to get some better in-depth, uh, I guess, knowledge or training and, and that, that sort of way. And so it was still those special needs missions before I went to Brazil, but then it kind of transformed into Okay, let me just do hands-on with special needs now. I'll do the mission training school for my schooling now um, because you can get a associate's degree hmm. 
through the mission training school, which is a legitimate degree. So I just decided, okay, I'll just make that my schooling and I'll find a job in this other area. So very cool. That's kind of how I came to that, the school aspect of it. Okay, so we we probably only have a couple minutes left for this section, and I'm just wondering, as you think about your time with the Missionary Training School, I know that you had already been involved in ministry quite a bit. You'd been involved with people with special needs and that kind of thing, but I'm wondering, what's the one biggest thing that you took away from that training school? The the books that they gave us to read have mostly shaped kind of just how my life is going right now, whether it's looking over to my books right now that, that we've got from the class just with church planning, prayer, Holy Spirit, all different kinds of things. But I think one of the biggest sections that we went over, we have different modules that we go over, 20, mm-hmm. 20 different modules that we'll go over. And I think one of the biggest impacts was um, when we were reading the book Organic Church. And it's just really talking about just the biblical basis of what church is and a natural a natural growth for it. Not so much as what's often viewed as church as the Sunday service mm-hmm. that's planned out, but more so just the being within your community, being the church within your community. And uh, God's still wrestling in my heart with with those those things that I was learning of what does it look like for me to just be the church within my community? Mm. Not, um, I guess this some ties in that something I wanted to mention is whenever I was in, in college, my first year, I was in Nashville and I was going to church in Smyrna, coming back to Nashville, going to church in Smyrna, come back to Nashville. But I didn't want to open up to anybody in Smyrna because they weren't part of my life mm. except for on Sunday and Wednesday night. And then I didn't want to open up to anybody on campus because they weren't part of my church. So I was just kind of in no man's land. And that's something I wish I would have done is been, I finally started transitioning that second semester, but just being the church where I am, not so much as focusing on that building that I, that I grew up in, but being wherever I am, how can we embody the Church of Christ, biblically, biblically. Um, How can I do that where I am instead of trying to go over here for a service and then come live over here and then go over here for a service and come back over here and live my life? I just, that's the biggest thing that was stirring from the school and beforehand and now is even where I live in my, my apartment complex, I just want to be a church here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like not so important about going somewhere on Sunday. I just, I want to start a little house church in my home and my neighbors come and one of my neighbors needs something. We'll help them out, you know, just like an Acts, Acts 2 42. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want that right where I am, wherever I am, not so much as going to the building and coming back home. So I don't know. <laughs> That's one thing that's. Challenge, challenge me. I don't know if I'm going to be a church planner. But. Okay. Yeah, well, that, that's good. And I, I do appreciate you sharing that. We, we are going to need to take one more quick break. And then we're going to, when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit more toward the listeners. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show. Uh, 
Um, yeah, the, the main thing is just life on life and uh, allowing them to see you and, and even seeing you mess up, you know, because you're going to mess up. You know what? I, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. And so what? I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to ask forgiveness to my wife. You know, I, I made a joke at her expense, you know, babe, listen, you know, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? Man, they, they might not ever witness that kind of relationship being demonstrated where, where a, a father or a mother humbles themselves and asks forgiveness. It, it might just be yelling and screaming all the time in their home. You know, um, you, you just never know. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. Well, we are back with Reed Mitchell. We just finished talking a little bit about the missionary training school, about some of the revelation and the things that God did with him in high school. Now we're shifting our focus toward you as the listener. So Reed, one of the things that I know about a lot of the people who listen to this show is that they're in the marketplace. They care deeply about missions or about ministry, but they don't feel called to vocational ministry. And in that situation, sometimes it can begin to feel like what you're doing in the, in the workplace doesn't really matter in the kingdom. What would you share with someone in that, in that situation? Actually kind of perfect timing for this question because yesterday my dad asked me to do a devotional for his baseball team, and I encourage them in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, too, I believe, both both in chapter 12. Nice. But they talk about your spiritual gifts and, and how we are all members of one body, but we all have different functions. And, you know, the eye can't say to the hand, I want to be a hand, because... Uh, that's, that's just not how it works. You know, the whole body can't be an ear because they wouldn't see where to go. Those kind of things. And so I, I love encouraging people with that. I think it's very important. I'm, I'm very huge on just the concept of, of church being a body with, with different functions. And, and something I, I encourage is going back to hospitality is you have a story in the Bible of Elisha and he goes and He'll just go into towns as as did the disciples, the apostles, and they would just kind of wait for somebody to invite them into their home. And it, it, you, you just see you see two different gifts. You see Elisha or the disciples. You you see them going into a town, and they they have the gift that God has given them to to share the word of God with people. That's their gift that they've been given specifically. And then you have people who are showing hospitality to those who share the Word of God. You, you can't have Elisha there if he doesn't have a place to stay, if he has no one to take care of him, if he has no one to feed him. He doesn't have any money. You, the disciples didn't carry anything with them. They just waited for other people to provide for them that God had gifted those people as well with hospitality and inviting people into their home. And so you just see... That they work together. One may be recognized more than the other, but they can't exist without the other. Hmm. You know, just as it talks about in, in in Corinthians that that the lesser parts will receive more honor in God's eyes. You know, the the mouth may receive more attention in, in the eyes of humanity, but 
but God will honor the, the parts less seen. And, and I think that's a huge encouragement to, to our listeners is that it doesn't matter what your gift is. It, Romans 12 says, use them. <laughs> it doesn't matter what they are. It just says, use them. And so I, I think that's a, a big encouragement because you don't, you don't have to try to have certain other gifts. You don't have to try to be the one going and, and speaking in a different country if that's not your gift. You need to be the construction worker here within your community helping out your neighbor who home got needs a, a fix and they can't afford it. You know, something like that. It's like whatever your gift is, use it. Uh, it doesn't matter what that gift is. It doesn't matter how much you get recognized for it. You know, just use it. Um, and, and, and something I, I want to encourage too, just as far as going overseas, uh, that there can be, you know, the book When Helping Hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many of our, our listeners have read that, but it, it talks about sometimes we can do things, we can try to go places, uh, and it's actually hurting the people that we're trying to help. And so back to our, our partners in Brazil, uh, I've been twice. Uh, I went on a week-long trip and a six-week trip. Uh, and something else that I saw there is, is as they were working on their garden, they didn't know how to take care of this garden. So they needed people from the United States to come and teach them how to take care of this garden so that they could take care of it. And that's another thing that I saw when I was in Brazil. I was like, they didn't really need my gift right then and there of working with individuals with special needs. And so that's kind of something that was going through my mind as I, as I got back home and even in my the end of my time there is I don't want to just go back because I want to go back on another trip. You know, I'm dying to go back. <laughs> I haven't been in a, in a while. But I, I was seeing how my gifts were better utilized here. They're working on a on homes and they needed money for windows. Their van has over 400,000 miles on it, so they're trying to raise money for a new van. And so the first two years I went to Brazil, I hosted a, a cornhole tournament. I don't know how many of our listeners are familiar with cornhole. It's a tailgating, beanbag toss game, famous in the South. So I I love event planning. That's another gift I have is event planning. So I, I used that gift the first two years to raise money so that I could be supported and go to Brazil. But after that summer, I I decided I'm not going to go anymore. But should I just stop having those cornhole fundraisers because I'm not going? And, And I thought that would be very selfish because my purpose in going in the first place is not about me. It's about what God is doing in that community, in the favelas in Brazil. And so... I had another cornhole tournament, but this time it wasn't for me to go. It was to raise money for windows. And I just had one this past weekend to raise money for their new van. And so though I'm not going, I really want to (laughs) so bad. But my gift that I have is event planning. God has placed a lot of people in my life, a lot of contacts and a lot of people to call that I can get together an event and raise money for this group. And He's also given me a gift of working with individuals with special needs. And the gift that they need from me right now is my event planning. 
They don't need me there. They don't have a, a need for my physical presence. I'll go in a heartbeat if they ask me to come. <laughs> but that's what my gift is right now that I can use to help what God is doing in, in that, that country and in, in Sao Paulo and that the outer regions. I just got their newsletter and I'm like, I have to be there right now. I love what they're doing. I want to be a part of it. God's doing amazing things, but it would be selfish for me to raise money for me to go. And they need a new van for their ministry, which is vital to their ministry. And I decide I'll raise money for me to go. And then their van breaks down and then they can't do anything Mm-hmm. with their ministry because they don't have any van. But if I stay back and and provide for what they truly need, you know, I'm using my gifts effectively to help them there. And that's, that's with anything. I mean, that's just one example, but you know, if you're good at construction, like, you know, back to construction, it's like, okay, maybe they're building a home there. Okay. Maybe you can use your gifts, go on a short term and do construction. You don't have to be, good at evangelizing necessarily of proclaiming the word of God, which we all need to do whether we're good at it or not, but that is a gift laid out and that might not be your spiritual gift, but you're good at construction. Maybe you need to go in a week and teach them how to do construction or whatever it is. I mean, you can do all these things locally too, which is the amazing thing, but there are also are ways to use your gift to impact people globally, whether it's going or staying and using your gift for something. So, well, that, that's yeah, good. So. With that, we are going to probably need to tie a bow on this. And I'm wondering, is, is there maybe one last piece of advice you could share with our listeners and a way for them to connect with you? I would just say, use your gifts and don't fill your time doing things that you come up with. Live a simple life and I think that's important in this society and this this day and time is trying to do too much that you come up with. So just live a live a simple life, do things that you know that God is working in, and join Him. Don't spend all your time worrying about if God is going to join you in something, and, and be patient. And you might only do one great thing in your life. You might just be a common person your whole life and not do. <laughs> anything crazy for the kingdom but whatever you're doing just honor honor god in it and and uh, you'll be blessed and you'll be a blessing to others because people need to be reached in just the normality of life just the mundane of life people people need to to be reached and so uh, just honor god and in your daily life okay and and the best way for people to connect with you is that facebook yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Okay, I'll I'll make sure that all of that's linked up in the show notes then at engagingmissions.com slash Reed Mitchell. Reed, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'd like to say one more huge thank you to Reed Mitchell for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. And I also appreciate that you're here, that you've taken the time to listen, that you've stayed this long. That means a lot to me. If you got value from this, if you got something worthwhile, whether you were challenged or inspired or encouraged, 
I just pray that you would also find somebody else to share this with. If you visit the show notes at engagingmissions.com slash Mitchell, you'll find links to the things that we talked about, as well as some ways to share this easily on social media, or if you want to shoot an email to somebody or something like that, just to let them know about it. That would really be great. I'd really appreciate it, and I hope that it would challenge and encourage and inspire somebody else as well. Next week, we're going to be talking with Chris Tress. He's been on the show before, but he's coming back, and we're talking specifically about mentoring and about how investing in the lives of children, young young adults, teens, can really change the face of the inner city in a generation or so. It's a really powerful discussion. I think it's going to be really valuable, and I'd love to see you back. Thanks for listening to The Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.